Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 167. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Lee's Comics. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by popoptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. You remember them from your childhood. Half for the Friendly Ghost, Richie Ridge, Hot Stuff, Baby Huey, Sad Sack and Little Audrey. You read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies. Now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions, The Best of Harveyville Fun Times and The Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook version. Order your copies today. Long title Looking for the Good Times Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael Aventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song, and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Christmas, Christmas time is here, and Alvin and the Chipmunks are here again. In 1958, a Dallas songwriter with an unlikely name of Ross Bagdasarian plunged the last of his family savings on a multi-speed tape recorded and created The Witch Doctor and Alvin and the Chipmunks. This changed the fortune for his family, his record label, and animated cartoon studio. Alvin! The story of Ross Bagdasarian, Liberty Records, Format Films, and The Alvin Show by Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions is available from Amazon and Fair Manor Media in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. You can now order my latest book, the TTV Scrapbook, from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Bear Manor Media. If you'd like signed copies of this or any of my books, please email me at funideas.mark at gmail.com for further information on how to order directly from me via PayPal. I now have three super articles to write for Back Issue. Super Richie, Super Dagwood, and Super Fan. My Pac-Man book is the next to be coming out, and I'm still working on my Mad and Turtles books. 
Warren Kremer is due out eventually, as is my next Disney book. On today's show, cartoon research columnist Camden Spees returns and continues to grill me about the various celebrities I have met in my life. So here we are, Camden Spees and me, part two. Now, what about now? What about your friend Scott Shaw? When did I meet him first, or uh, meet him first? Again, it was San Diego. It was 1991. That's when I met Jerry Beck. Um, I knew of Scott Shaw in the 70s. You know, my first exposure to Scott Shaw knowingly was the Hanna-Barbera comics that Marvel published. Yeah. And uh, then in the 80s, DC did the Captain Carrot stuff. I fell in love with that stuff. I was like, oh, my God, I love this artist. I, you know, and I didn't even know who Scott Shaw was, what he looked like or anything. I just said, I'm getting anything that this artist does. I love his work. And so... When I went to San Diego Comic Convention, I knew he was going to be there, so I made sure to, to meet him. Um, I told him that I basically idolized him. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, and, and, and Scott's kind of unassuming. He's like, really? You know, there's so many other people to like. That's kind of like him. You know, uh, like Jack Kirby or something. You know, he kind of talks like that. You know, and it's like, Scott, I like your stuff, you know, you know, and Sergio's and that stuff. You know, it's like, eh, you know, I, I mean, I do like Jack Kirby's stuff, but it's like, yeah. it, it, it's just like, if you, 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 had a door two doors and one of them had jack kirby and one of them had scott shaw and it's like you can only meet one of them i would have gone to scott shaw's door you know it's like now you would have probably gone to kirby's door well i met kirby anyway so i don't know you know <laughs> yeah i was gonna talk about that next kirby okay kirby well kirby would, you know i didn't really get to talk to him much because you know he's you know before he died he was already popular so you know he'd come out uh, for signings in the early 90s um, I was there you might have seen these photos where he's dancing with his wife at the San Diego convention like in 92 or 93 mm -hmm. or something like that the last year I think he was there it was 93 or 94 I don't remember what year he died and um, I just remember oh I should probably meet this guy you know because he's not getting any younger had no idea he was going to die um, I didn't get his autograph because he was charging some ungodly amount, probably like 10 bucks, but that was a lot back in the early 90s, you know, when a lot of people weren't charging at all. And so, and the reason why I was charging is because even then pre eBay, people were still selling, you yeah. know, they, they get his autograph and then they turn around and put it up for sale somewhere. And Evanier told that story one time. Yeah. And so you know, and I knew about that even before Evanier did that story. So it's like, uh, yeah. So I just wanted to meet him and, you know, I just told him kind of like, I appreciate your work and stuff like that. It wasn't a great conversation, but I can always say I met him, you know, it's like, and I watched him sign other people's autographs, you know, cause I just kind of hung around, you know, and so, but anyway. Well, you gotta have Evanier on your show, by the way. I want Evanier on my show. He he he's he's an interesting person with me. I mean, he, he you know he he should, he'll be on it eventually. It's just you know timing. Mark Mark Evanier is. I I have to get Mark for one of my. Okay, I move that for June yeah. for a project. Yeah. He's one of the hardest people to schedule something with ever. That's right. 
that's exactly right. That's why I don't I have. That's why I've never had him on there. I'm sure. I'm sure he's aware of this podcast. You know, he's got to be. But you know, it's like you know, Mark. If you're watching, you're listening to it. Probably not this episode, but you know, it's like <laughs> I'll have you on anytime. You know, it's like we can schedule around your schedule. You know, it's like so, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Mark. I always told. I said that I was telling Amber. I was trying to tell Amber you have to get Evanier on your documentary. And she's like, she's like, it's impossible skeletal. I'm like, I'm like, I know. Yeah. Like, I know it is. Keep trying. And yeah. he's gonna tell I'm like, don't like I mean, he's not with- impossible. I mean, he's been on Stu Showstack. He's been on Stu Showstack's show many times. He was interviewed for the Harvey documentary that, that Johnny Harvey did that may or may not come out. I wish Amber Amber was working on the Harvey documentary, it would have been out three years ago. So it's yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I interviewed Mark for my thing too. So yeah. And he gave me a two and a half hour conversation. So he, yeah, but, so it's not um, impossible. It's just you know you just have to get very, very. It's busy. like the 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 stars have to align correctly. That's all. <laughs> he, he's he's Mister Anecdote though. He's like yeah. one of those people that happen to be everywhere at the at the funniest time. Yeah. Well, he he's like he's like the for me he's like the big brother that you know has everything. You know, yeah. this is how I like. Um, he doesn't even know this story, so I mean, I'll tell you this story. So we met uh, Jaffe at the Caps meeting, Al Jaffe, when he turned the ripe old age of ninety. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and now he's one hundred and one. But uh, anyway, um, I was really proud. Just to, I was really proud to have this little nameplate that I put in his book that had his uh, signature and autograph on it. I thought that was really neat. And then Evanier comes up to speak and give a little tribute, and he pulls out the original art for the first snappy answers to stupid questions. And I'm like, of course he would have this, you know. <laughs> it's like, I'm really happy to have It's a Mad, 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 Mad World vinyl album and the program and everything. Well, guess who has the original oil painting by John uh, Jack Davis. It's Mark Evanier. He has it on his wall, <laughs> you know. And it's like, of course he does. So he's like the older brother that has everything, and you're like sitting there, like uh, <laughs> he has. But you everything. still like him even more for it. Yeah, well, I like it that he respects it all. You know, it's like I would hate it. I would, I would really get annoyed if he had. It's like, eh, I have all this stuff. Who cares? You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, because he said before on his website, if he um, or his um, blog, I should say, you know. If there was a fire in his house, I'm grabbing that, you know, the the Davis painting. Yeah. <laughs> so at least he has his, for kids. At least he has his priorities straight. You know? yeah. <laughs> um now Sergio Aragonas. Good point. Uh, first time I met him was in 1978. He was the first mad person I ever met. I started reading Mad in 1974. And in San Jose, California, there's a bookstore called the Booksellers. And they just made an announcement. Uh, Mad artist Sergio Aragones is going to show up. And I think my mom pointed it out. And then I said, oh, can we go? You know, it's like, so we went and uh, got his autograph. Um, And, you know, I don't remember if I, I, I'm sure I talked to him a little bit. And the funny story about this is, so the kid that was right behind me, no, excuse me, right in front of me. Uh, got his autograph um, and his mom was standing behind him. I was behind her and some somebody from the no- local newspaper took a photo. 
I got cropped out of the photo or I wasn't even in the photo. So the photo appeared in the newspaper, Sergio and this kid and his mother. Okay. So I was like, I was right there. You know, why didn't they put me in there? You know, I, you know, I was like 12 years old. So flash forward, probably 25 years, maybe 30 years. So I'm talking to Sergio at another San Diego convention. This is probably about 10 years ago or something like that. And this kid who's now not a kid, I mean, this person, I should say, to, uh, and this really old lady come up to Sergio and they said, we got a picture taken with you. And they pull out this exact clipping and it's all yellowed and everything. And Sergio goes, oh, I remember that. Uh -huh. And I go and I mentioned it to these people. And I said, you know where I am at in that picture? And they go, no. And I go, I was right behind you in this picture. And they're all, no. <laughs> and it's like, but the odds of us being at Sergio's table with that uh, article, because I have a copy of it in my files, you know, at the exact same time is just like, that's totally bananas. You know, it's like, because I've seen Sergio many times, you know. Yeah. But to have the same people from way back when, you know, and I asked him, have you seen Sergio since that time? And they go, no, you know, I had seen him many times because he's always in San Diego and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's, it's just weird. So that's yeah. my weird Sergio story. <laughs> Stanley, you've met Stanley three times, you said. Yeah, yeah. Casually um, or just like, because I know he would get mobbed. But The first time is my best story. Okay. Go because the, the last times were just like, you uh, Right. stay true true believer and that's the end of that <laughs> you know you know how he was so um oh, sorry. That was and, it, and it got worse even after that after that when i didn't get his autograph you'd just be like paraded around like he was like the queen or something like that and it's like oh yeah. geez you know but when people, i first people met would, him, it, people would go up to him and he wouldn't even know he was signing their batman comic signed by him but people yeah yeah so when i when i met up with him it was in the early 90s uh and um, San Diego Comic Convention used to not be so crazy. It used to be kind of, it was always busy when I went, you know, but it was always, you know, manageable. You know, now it's insane, you know, it's like, I don't even like going anymore. But at the time, you know, you just walk around and, the, and there'd be like dead, dead periods where just nothing was going on. And, you know, you just walk around and, you know, you'd look at the comics and stuff like that. And I was walking along and there's like these drapes and uh, by this one booth. And I just poked my head in the drapes because it's like, what's this doing here? And I opened it up and there's Stan Lee and he's in there and he has like a briefcase and he's like putting some papers away. And so I said, nobody else is around. I'm going to talk to him. So I went up and talked to him <laughs> and uh, we talked for about a half hour. I don't remember everything we said, but I did tell him I was publishing a fanzine and you know, even though, even if he was totally full of shit, the thing that I liked about Stanley is that uh, he was very positive about a lot of things. He says, good luck with that fanzine. I hope it goes places, you know, that type of thing. You know, that sticks with you when you're like, yeah. you know, trying to get started and stuff like that, you know, and he had that kind of bombastic thing. Um, and we were talking, I don't remember everything we were talking about. I wish I had the tape recorder, but you know, it's like, I wasn't even thinking about that. We were just chit chatting about a lot of different things. And then finally, after about a half hour, this handler person comes up, Oh, Mr. Mr. Lee, you're needed to, 
uh, be somewhere else. I don't know where this. <laughs> and he goes, okay, I got to go. But it was great talking to you, buddy. You know, <laughs> and then he leaves. And I go, wow. And I've told people this story. And, they, you know, if, if they're like you, they, they're like, you know, well, he was always mobbed. You could never do that. It's like, well, I, I was then. I was able to do it then. You know, it's yeah. like you can't, you couldn't later on. Yeah. But that was my well, big... later on. Later on, he probably had bodyguards. Yeah. But back then, he was all by himself. I mean, granted, he was behind a drape, you know, but and I just granted, happened to poke my hand. Younger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he was probably in his 70s then, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Jack Davis. Jack Davis. That one was only a phone conversation. Hate the spoil it for you but uh it was for the cracked book um my friend lee again i mentioned him a lot uh he has two original art pieces of himself that he got uh commissioned you know i don't know if he paid for them or if he got them for free i don't remember but uh it's still impressive regardless um but when i was doing the cracked book i knew davis did some stuff for cracked and i figured well this is my opportunity to talk to him so i got his phone number somehow probably through friends who knew him or something like that and i talked to him on the phone probably just about 15 minutes because he's an older man at that point and he didn't want to talk forever he didn't have much to say about cracked except he said that you know you know he had that southern drawl and he goes yeah cracked it didn't pay very good <laughs> but i had to do it you know <laughs> because i didn't have any more work you know and you know it's like i thought oh that's pretty cool and, and that ended up in the crack books what i said about what he said about crack uh we probably chit-chatted about a couple other things and that was essentially my conversation with him but at least i got to talk to him once you know i'm curious to know your your interaction with this person because i know a lot of people's interactions with her was not pleasant because she was kind of personal mary tyler moore Mary Tyler Moore was uh, friendly when I saw her. She was doing a, um, this again was a thing with my friend Dane. It was a, a celebrity function for health and wellness or something like that. Oh. And uh, so a lot of times when you get to meet a celebrity outside their normal thing, they kind of act differently, which is kind of a good thing. So, I mean, if somebody says, oh, I, I met Mary Tyler Moore and she was really cranky and irritable or whatever, it might have been because it was something about TV or movies or something. And she just was like, eh, you know, but this was about health. And she was talking about her diabetes. And so we were all asking her questions about that. And um, no. so, you know, on that level, I mean, she was pretty serious. She wasn't you know joking around and doing mr grant you know but she, she did talk a little bit about mary Taylor moore show and stuff like that so you know she did open up a little bit but you know i i found her pleasant you know just kind of quiet and you know just matter of fact but you know i didn't think if she was a jerk or a bitch or whatever you say you know i thought she was pretty nice you know um and Here's a random name, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Um, again, with my friend Dane, we used to go to different uh, golf tournaments. We used to go to the Bob Hope one. You see Bob Hope on my list. That's when I Bob met Hope him. Was the first one on my list. He was yeah. the next person I was going to ask. Yeah. Him. Okay. I'll get. I'll weave into that. Um, Pebble Beach is where I met a lot of people. Um, met Tiger Woods. Met. Uh, uh, shoot. Um, I can't th sing is the last I can't think of all my golf stars, uh, you know, uh, the, 
I'm not a big golf fan, to be honest. I'm more of a celebrity. Not either. Fan. I, I yeah, I'm more of a celebrity there. fan. So if I if I'm making up names or forgetting names, but I mean that's where I met Bill Murray. That's where I met Huey Lewis, uh, Jack Lemmon, George Lopez. All these people were there, and you know they had their little times because they did the celebrity pro am where they did their golf for charity, and you know they would do their game, but in between there was certain times where you could actually just go up and just interview them, chit chat and stuff like that. And that was usually before they did their game and directly after. And sometimes if there was like a party at, uh, uh, you know, and that's where I met Tommy Smothers and stuff like that. Uh, met Clint Eastwood. He was pretty quiet and to himself. So I didn't really talk to him, but um, you know, Tiger Woods, pretty straightforward, pretty serious, but you know, he was talking about his game and you know he thought he was going to win he did so you know <laughs> um bob hope was uh at his own tournament um down in southern california i forgot what year that was obviously it was before he died um but he was pretty dang old he was probably like 94 95 and uh the conversation i always remember is the one i overheard more than the one i had um, because he was just kind of out of it, sad to say. But um, he was putting balls on the green for photographers, and they basically had to kind of stand them up. It wasn't that like he was going to fall over, but you know he didn't walk very well, so you know they had to prop him up. And then he was standing there with the golf club and everything. And then at one point, one of his handlers is standing by him, and Bob goes, "Where am I?" And the handler says, Bob, you're on your own golf course on your golf during your own golf tournament. And he goes, Oh, I love that. <laughs> and I thought that was the funniest thing. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh we got his autograph, or I think Dane did because he was not signing very well, but Dane insisted. So I just watched him sign uh Dane's autograph on a photo that he he Dane had been with Bob Hope previously a couple years earlier and so he brought the photo of them together and he wanted him to sign it so I watched him sign it and he signed like you know it took him forever yeah. and you know it was just, that's why I didn't get his autograph I just said I don't want to push this guy you know it's like <laughs> anyway are you freezing up what's happening okay there we go <laughs> yeah you were freezing up you were freezing up, not me. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Now, next on this list is, um, let's see, Dan DiCarlo. I wanted to, I was going to ask about that. Oh, Dan DiCarlo appeared with... Um, Hello? Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, you're still I'm there. Freezing up, sorry. Oh, okay. I can hear you fine. Uh, Dan DiCarlo appeared with... Um, what's the writer? I can't even think of the writer, and I, I put his name down. Uh uh, the Archie writer. They also wrote for Cracked. Um, anyway, are you freezing up again? Anyway, uh, they appeared. You're frozen uh, again. What? Well, just keep going. It's it's recording. So, you know, don't worry. It's recording. Anyway, um, they appeared at one convention. It was in San Diego and they gave a talk and we got to talk to them and interview with them. Do you want to end this if you're frozen up or what? Hello? 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 Hmm. 
Oh, now you came back. That was weird. Okay. I was just sitting here waiting for you to come back. I was going to text you. Okay. So I'll say my story again in case it got cut out and then I'll cut this. I, you froze and I didn't hear what you said. You, you couldn't hear me? Okay. Well, um, I could hear me. <laughs> okay. So um, Dan DiCarlo and uh, George Gladder um, appeared together at one of these conventions. I don't, I, it was in San Jose, I think, or in the Bay Area. I can't remember exactly where. But they gave a speech, and then uh, it was a Q&A, and then you could go up and just talk to him, meet him. I got a piece of original artwork from Dan and talked to him for a bit. And uh, I think my friend Greg uh, recorded it. So he was there. I wasn't his friend then, which is kind of funny. So he has a recording of the conversation and everything, including my questions and stuff. So it exists somewhere, an old interview with me and Dan DiCarlo. Um, now Alice Cooper, I wanted to say, ask about Alice Cooper because I have a great Alice Cooper story okay. about me. Well, my Alice Cooper story again is the golf course and there's nothing much to say about it except that Dane and I, uh, started chit-chatting with Alice Cooper to the point where he was ready to come with us. We, we were going to go somewhere and he wanted to come along with us. And again, his situation, like with Stan Lee handlers, you know, so he's like, uh he says oh that sounds great i want to come with you blah 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 and then one of those handlers come uh alice uh you have to go to such and such at three o'clock you can't be doing this oh i forgot uh sorry guys i can't go with you, you know? it's like but that's what the funny story was i mean it was like he was like our best buddy and that's yeah. why it was so funny anyway so he was funny. like the, like one of the friendliest celebrities ever met you know, so that's I have I'm... a funny Alice Cooper story, but not involving Alice Cooper. Okay. Um, my my dad went to Hawaii for his fiftieth birthday, mm-hmm. and when I was younger, I had this habit of telling people they looked like somebody. It was like really weird. Okay, so I just told the guy who ran the restaurant who happened to be waiting at our table. He looked like Freeberg. Stan Freeberg. Yeah. <laughs> old, I don't look back. Old Freeberg back. or young Freeberg? What the big bushy white hair? Freebird, older Freebird. Okay, old Freebird. Okay. But, but looking back, this guy looks nothing like Freebird. Okay. It's, it's just me being me at my weird moment. Okay. But now, but because I'm like, I'm just like Stan Freebird. He's like, he's like, he's like. I used to work at Columbia Records. The guy who ran the record store was Frank Zappa's tour manager. He was worked with Alice Cooper. He was Alex Cooper's band leader, and and, um, and he was he was Alice Cooper's um, um, agent and it, band manager. Was it Herb Cohen? No. Oh, okay. He just happened to be running this this restaurant in Hawaii. Retired, <laughs> and my parents didn't know where I was. I walked with this guy to the bar, and I'm like, you know. 13 14 <laughs> and i'm just talking to this guy about radio stars he met like he met jack benny he was with mel blank he was with whatever and my parents are like where are you and i you kind of like you're talking to some strange dude at the bar right now <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> and they had no idea who this guy was <laughs> and i'm like i'm like i don't know he knew freeberg he's like all right all right cool <laughs> Well, yeah, he gave me a T-shirt at the restaurant. He paid oh, for cool. food, everything. I wish you knew I, his name. I, if you I, if you if you figure out his name, let me know because. But yeah, I know. Um, um, 
Herb Cohen was uh, Frank Zappa's manager for a time, but then he dismissed him somewhere along the line. And I no, don't know. No, yeah, it's 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 some other guy. Yeah, I'm sure it's some other guy, but he, he's related I'm to the not, Turtles. I, I might yeah. mistake in tour manager because I think this, but I think okay. he was worked with a tour. Okay. He worked okay. with Frank Zappa, Alice Cooper, Stan Freeberg. He worked at Columbia Records while Freeberg was doing records. That's it was Mitch Miller. Well, no, Freeberg was a capital. Capital, yeah. You looked at Columbia and he met Freeberg. Columbia ah, Got it. He okay. Capital too. All right. All right. Got it. Okay. You looked at Columbia. You looked at you looked at Capital too. I don't remember anymore. I was thirteen. I don't know. I was oh. more interested in hearing what he had to say about Jack Benny. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. He liked me. He gave like we had like a part of people like eight people there, and he gave everyone's food for free. Cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey guys, hey guys, I just got I just got y'all's meal for free. Desserts on us, folks. <laughs> yeah, I'm celebrating this 50th. All, all right, talk to more strangers at the bar. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, who who does this guy look like? Him? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, um, next up. Let's see here. I'm just going to name a few more names so we can get to the last part of this interview. Yeah. Um, let's see here. You were next to Ringo and Yoko at one point. Not at the same time. <laughs> Two different times. Um, oh, yeah, that would be weird. Yeah. So, that would be really awkward. Well, I mean, it could have happened. It could, you know, it's not impossible, but it's like it's highly unlikely um no is ringo ringo always has his all-star band tour and stuff and typically he plays at a pretty large venue well where i grew up in saratoga there's this area or this mansion called montalvo and uh it's actually within walking distance of my dad's house and you can actually sneak into concerts or at least you could in back in those days this is probably about 10 years ago and if you can't you know i'm not gonna get in trouble it's like, it's like, uh, anyway because i don't even live there anymore but anyway so um but i used to sneak into concerts every so often because you know hey why not um so what you did is you waited until it got dark and everybody's seated and then you know invariably all the shows weren't sold out because they charged a lot for tickets at those concerts and uh so anyway um Actually, I was with my friend Dane again, and we, you know, I told him, let's sneak into the Ringo concert because this is going to be the closest Ringo is to my house. You know, it was my dad's house. But I mean, you know, it's like, imagine, I don't know. Uh, well, you, you, you said Tim Hollis is in town. How close is he to you? Uh, about two hours. No, about oh, he's not that close. Okay. Okay. Imagine somebody's like, in hour, actually it might be like 30 minutes okay so never mind okay i thought he was closer than that but you know anybody within walking distance from your place imagine if some big celebrity you've always wanted to meet was in walking distance from your house Bob Newhart. okay <laughs> and uh it you know but it charged you like 500 dollars a ticket but you somehow could sneak in. Well, that's what I did. I said, damned if I'm going to uh, let Ringo be the closest he is to my living room. He's less than a mile away from my dad's house. I got to get to this concert, even though I'd seen Ringo before. And I wasn't really trying to meet him or anything, but we watched the concert. Everything was fine. And at the end, and this always irks me to this day, and it's like I hate reliving this part of the story. So <laughs> we were walking and the thing about the Montalvo thing, it's not like 
high security. You know, because I figure all these people are wealthy people. They're not going to be like mobbing Ringo. They're they're wealthy, respectable citizens. They're not going to do that stuff. So I was just walking kind of towards the tour buses, you know, and, uh, you know, I figured, hey, maybe I can meet him. Maybe I could actually even get on the bus. Who knows? And so we we're we're just kind of hanging out there by the tour buses and um lo and behold the other band members come out and then here comes Ringo and Ringo's this little guy you know he's shorter than me you know it's amazing you know you know he doesn't get lost he's a short little guy you know he's very slim too you know it's like so you know he's like about three or four feet from me and I was just about to walk after him you know, when a friend of Dane's, uh, and I just want to kill her, it, it just kind of said, Dane, how you doing? And it just like ruined the whole momentum because now we had to stop and talk to his stupid friend. It was somebody I didn't even know that well. Oh, that's even and, more. And, and it's like, I'm watching him walk away. And I should have just said, bye, Dane, you know, and just walked. But I was sticking with Dane and we had to chit chat with this other person and nah, 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 nah. and then by the time she shut up and left Ringo was long gone you know and it's like <clears throat> you know but at least I was like a few feet away from him so I, I got to see him pretty up close that's my Ringo story you know <laughs> and your Yoko story my Yoko story they did um this is in san francisco and uh they were doing a musical on the life of john lennon and strangely enough yoko was in the audience and uh this is the sad part about this thing but i still have the program Another sad uh, story. well it's, it's sad in a different way it's a sad story that uh, i got all the autograph i got all the autographs from all the actors who were in this performance it was like a musical in the life of john lennon uh the reviews of it i thought it wasn't too bad but the reviews of it were terrible and if it had been a success it would have gone on broadway and it would have been a big big deal but the initial reviews were saying it was kind of lame kind of stupid kind of blah blah and so it never went anywhere and i think that was the only performance um but that's not negative for me. That's negative for Yoko because, you know, she really wanted it to work. And, uh, but she was there. Um, and I wasn't trying to meet her either. It was like, you know, so, I, you know, because afterwards it was a meet and greet with the actors and the actors weren't anybody really famous. I don't think they are. I mean, they might be now. I'd have to look at the program again. <laughs> They've gone on to better things. But there just was this one moment where, she got up and I didn't even know she was there and she was probably like three or four feet in front of me, but she had these like two big bodyguards next to her. So I wasn't really going to lunge forward. Hey, Yoko, how's it done? <laughs> you know? So I, you know, it, cause she's like Ringo tiny person, really small. You know, you don't think about these people being so small because you know, you only see them on yeah. the movies and stuff like that. So that's my close encounters with Ringo and with uh, Yoko, but you know, I never actually, talk to him or but it's it wasn't like i was you know i like i saw yoko in performance like a couple years later because a friend of mine actually wanted to go and she wasn't actually that bad considering most people hate her but hey that's them not me anyway <laughs> um now 
Al Jaffe, we talked about him earlier. Al Jaffe appeared at the Caps dinner. Caps is cartoon artist professional society down in LA and Evanier goes there all the time and Sergio goes there. Uh, they wanted to do a party for Al Jaffe's 90th birthday. Um, Southern California is kind of a bit of a trek for me. It's more of a trek now, but uh, I wanted to make the effort for that. And so I took time off work and went down because I'd never met Jaffe before. I figured at 90, he's not getting any younger, but he's still with us as of this recording. So, hey, great. He's 101. Um, but, uh, you know, I always liked Jaffe's work, so I always wanted to meet him and everything. So, you know, I got to talk to him for a bit. I don't know everything I said. The only thing I remember he said um, is... I asked him if he could do a if he could do me a little sketch or something, and he said, uh, "I don't do sketches in public anymore because my hands a little too shaky nowadays to do that. I have to take my time with it and do it at home. Like when I got his autograph, it was pre-done on a little yeah. nameplate that I stuck in the book. Yeah, you know? but I still got his autograph. I did just just didn't watch him do it, but I know it's his. <laughs> so Will Eisner." Eisner was uh, that same year I saw uh, Scott Shaw uh, and Jerry Beck. It was just the first year. I just went up to people and I say, Will Eisner, I love your work. I got his autograph. Um, don't remember what I talked about, but I saw him a few times after that. But, you know, I, you know, and that was when I saw Ray Harryhausen. That's when I saw um, uh, Forrest J. Ackerman. It was that, not those of all three of those are next to each other, I guess. That's yeah, why. it's not when I saw Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury is a funny story in a different way. I'd um, like to tell, I'd like you to tell that story if you're gonna if you're offering. Okay, Ray Bradbury. This is a later years San Diego when I um he was getting pretty elderly. Unfortunately, he was in a wheelchair by this point, and um, I was working in San Diego. Uh, for Lee again, you know, I keep mentioning people that, you know, I, I <laughs> and Lee would give me time off to go shop, but I couldn't take advantage of that too much. You know, he says, don't be gone longer than say 30 minutes or something. I need you here, you know, so I'd go off and because he'd let me go, I figure 30 minutes, I'm going to go as far as I could possibly go <laughs> and then work my way back. So I went all the way the other end of the convention and the san diego convention is huge and there's mobs of people and it was about 20 i was gone for about 20 minutes and i'm going oh crap i gotta get back and it's gonna take me at least 10 minutes to get back <laughs> you know this isn't gonna work he's gonna be pissed um just then when i was at the other end of the building um who should be wheeled in but ray bradbury and so I, I just said hi to him and he said, hi, you know, and um, I noticed they, uh, he said, I need to go to such and such. I don't even remember where he said, but I noticed it's like, since he was in a wheelchair and since it was Ray Bradbury, he had a few people behind, holding, pushing him and stuff like that. A couple of people spread the, it was like Moses in <laughs> 10 commandments. It was like the seas were parting and I go, Hey, I can get back to Lee pretty quickly if I follow Ray. So I did. <laughs> and um, where Ray wanted to go, ironically, was right around where Lee's thing was. So I just followed Ray in his wheelchair all the way back. And I got there in less than 10 minutes because there was no people. It was just everybody parted ways. And it was just, whoop. So that was my 
great rare Bradbury story. I don't know if you know about this, but Bradbury, as well as Bob Clampett, were the first, which I considered the first two people who actually collect the animation art. Because Ray Bradbury had one of the largest collections of animation art for a while. That's probably correct. I don't know for sure. Excuse yeah, me. and so did Clampett. Yeah. Because Clampett's a fanboy, too. Yeah, um, because I don't know if Forrest J. Ackerman collected too, because he collected everything. I know he had uh, animation art from live action movies like uh, Forbidden Planet that, you know, right. Disney actually did the animated effects. He did have cells of that. So I don't know if that counts, but he did have. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like Bradbury, if you go to like Bradbury's auctions, if you see it, he had like Fantasia art, then he'd have Pink Panther art, and then he yeah. had um, he, he wasn't a big Hanna-Barbera fan, I know. Yeah. Uh, Bradbury would have, like, you know, Warner Brothers sells from, like, What's Opera Doc or something. And, like, he interviewed Chuck Jones, if you've seen that interview. Mm-hmm. He interviewed Chuck Jones, and it's in the book, you know, the book Chuck Jones Conversations? Oh, yeah. yeah. If you have that book, he is in there. And I thought, yeah. like, yeah, this guy definitely collects. Yeah. Because so. he's asking like about individual cells and all that. It's so really you're, you're probably correct. I mean, but you knew those three, uh, Bradbury, Harryhausen, and Ackerman. Yeah. They were best buds. They had gone to like the World Science Fiction Convention back in the 30s together or yeah. something, you know. So they were all and, big fanboys. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then Clampett was also the other one because Clampett, I know Ruth Clampett told me that he has, Clampett has Disney art. They have Disney art. Like he would just dig out of trash cans when he was a kid. <laughs> I believe and even when he was like, even when he was like working at Warner Brothers, he was still digging things out of the garbage. Yeah. To the point where the Disney archives asked him for some of this art, and she just said, and he just said, no. <laughs> like the Disney says, we don't have this Mickey Mouse poster. They still don't have the poster. Yeah. Which I wanted her to show the picture, but she couldn't find, easily get to it to take yeah. a picture of it for me. Because I'm like, I want to see this, right? Yeah. yeah. But, um, but she, but he said no. That's so he just basically said no. <laughs> they offered him like a lot of money for it though, too. Yeah. Um, now, last two names that we're gonna get to this last part. Okay. We're gonna be done. Okay. Um, last two names. Uh, okay. See. Last few names. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Jonathan Winters. Jonathan Winters is another interview with uh, Dane. I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but I did write the questions again. So he asked some really good questions that um, the thing that really sucks sometimes when you're running camera is the person's right in front of you that you've always wanted to meet, but you can't just set down the camera and go, Hey, how's it going? You know, it's like, so basically he's right in front of me and I'm interviewing him. I I mean, Dane's interviewing him, uh, asking him the questions I wrote at least. Uh, But you know, he's, through i'm watching him through the lens instead of live you know i did see him without the camera up and stuff like that he was pretty elderly too and uh so he wasn't really that animated you know it's like but at least i got to see him because i always liked him as a kid so all right uh, not a great story but that's true (laughs) all right i got three names and we're done because i've already put away the sheet okay all right four schultz Schultz was a weird situation because a lot of people haven't met him. It's kind of weird um, because I thought everybody did. But what I found, um, I was in college at San Francisco State, and there's this friend named Lisa who found out that he was going to make an appearance at the DeYoung Museum in San Francisco. 
And I was like, you're kidding. And, and it was free. And you had to get a ticket, but you, you know, and it's like, shit. And it's like, I thought this thing would be mobbed because it's Charles Schultz. You know, this is like early 90s, you know, and it was, it was, you know, attended, but it wasn't like over attended. It was like a kind of a shock. And so, you know, he came out and he gave a little talk. And, uh, you know, I, I remember one point when some kid asked him and he says, uh, can I come up and get an autograph from you on my poster or something like that? And Schultz says, all deadpan. He goes, no, because the floor around me is all electrified. <laughs> like, oh, my God. You know, and I think the kid was like, oh, shit. You know, <laughs> I thought it was like the funniest thing because it's so dark. It's like that's like something that wouldn't have been in peanuts. You know, it's like that the floor was electrified around his, where he's sitting. And then at the end, he says, all right, you know, now that I've done talking, you can all come up and bring your stuff. And so I went up there and my only regret is I should have brought something current uh, because what I brought instead, for some reason, I felt like, oh, I should get the oldest Peanuts thing I have. So I had a hardback copy of More Peanuts, the second Peanuts book ever from 1954. Uh-huh. And he signed it. But he gave me this funny look because he doesn't like that era or he didn't like that era of Peanuts. But yeah. he signed it anyway. And I, I should have brought like a current book. So he would have signed that too. But I didn't. So I saved the ticket in there. So if anybody asks, is like, when did you get that? Or did you buy that? You know, I go, no, there's the ticket. That's when I saw him. So, you know, and I, I probably asked him a couple of questions. I don't even remember what I said. But, you know, at least I met him. And then you flash forward a few years later in San Diego and at the this the charles m schultz museum is in san diego yeah i've been there i'm standing in line to see Jeannie schultz his widow who i met a few times in line with me in front of me was robert schimmel behind me steve jeppy and so i'm talking to robert schimmel and he you know and Steve Jeppy and neither of them had ever met Charles Schultz, which floored me because I thought for sure Jeppy would have met him because he's Mr. Comic Book Diamond Distribution and everything. He would have met everybody. Nope, didn't meet him. Uh, Schimmel was Triumph the dog. And I, I asked him, it's like, where's Triumph? And he goes, oh, I didn't bring him. I said, you didn't bring him to San Diego? And he goes, no, I didn't think it would be appropriate. And I go, this is like the most appropriate place. <laughs> he actually didn't bring the Triumph dog puppet. You know, I was shocked. But anyway, um, we chit-chatted for stuff like that. And I told them the story I just told you about Schultz. And they were like in awe that I had met the man. Yeah. And, you know, they had never. So they were like to... me right now. Yeah. So there you go. Now, last two names, Al Feldstein. Feldstein, yeah. Feldstein. He was at another convention in Northern California, and it was kind of funny. Um, Feldstein's kind of an interesting person because he's not really revered, yet he edited Mad almost as long as John Ficarra. Ficarra beat him by a couple years. Um, he basically saved Mad, and he actually wrote the majority of the horror books for ec the tales from the crypt and everything so you know he should be known for mad and tales from the crypt and it's like most people don't even know his name i i adored the man you know it's like i i knew he was gruff um 
you know, a lot of mad people don't have favorable things to say about him. And maybe as an editor, he was probably a jerk. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, but I, when I met him, the thing that kind of surprised me is he was like surprised that anybody was interested in this stuff, you know, because, and uh, I said, yeah. And, uh, but I think what turned him around is I told him I saw him on a old Mike Douglas show in 1978, which I'd love to get a better copy of because it's on an old beta tape. Mike um, Douglas, a lot of the Mike Douglas, most of the Mike, a lot of Mike Douglas shows, like I know the one with Chuck Jones and the one with Charles. Yeah, Schultz, this one's R2. not. I, I know the exact air date. It's in like 1977. It's for Mad's 25th anniversary. And Al Feldstein came on. Ben Vereen was the guest host that week. And uh, they just show a few clips of Mad. I'd just love to have oh, a, yeah, cop, a nice... Host, and it's not on YouTube. I'd love to have it on YouTube. But, you know, I have it on a beta tape somewhere. But it's like I don't have a good player and stuff to, to upload that stuff, you know. So, I yeah, don't know. And Steranko. Steranko is again with Lee. <laughs> uh <laughs> Lee, I, I met him once at a convention. Like yeah, you just do. And I guess uh, I got a signature. Talked to him a little bit about Harvey because that's actually where you guys start, not Marvel. Um, and anyway, yeah, you know, I got his autograph and blah blah blah. Uh, flash forward a couple of years. I mean, it's like six or seven years ago now, I guess. Um, Lee calls me up and he goes, "Hey, do you want to have dinner with my wife and with Starenko?" And I go shit yeah <laughs> so, uh, so uh we all had dinner together at a nice restaurant he told me to dress up so i dressed nicely and uh you know um we just had a nice lengthy dinner the food is pretty good and you know the thing i remember mostly even though we we talked about every subject under the sun is at the end you know Stranko was like it was really nice to have dinner with you and everything and he grabs my hand and he's already like 70 years old. And I mean, the grip this guy had, I mean, it was like, oh, wow, shit. You know, it's like, so he's in shape, you know. He probably still is. He's in his 80s now. But, you know, it's like, you know. Anyway, so that's what I remember. <laughs> Final name, S Sid Jacobson. Sid Jacobson, I met him at the Harvey offices in L.A., and I had been trying to meet him for years. It was like at San Diego, he'd always invariably show up when I wasn't there, or he'd cancel out, and so he wasn't there at all. So I always wanted to meet him because he was editing the books at that time, and uh, finally met him at the Harvey offices, and um, we sat down and we had a meeting one afternoon sometime in the early 90s, I don't remember, um, and I got his autograph and everything. Yeah, you know, I I didn't record anything, but I did interview him later that I did put an interview in Harveyville Fun Times. The only thing he was kind of pissed off about at the time was um, at the time I was tending to side more with the Harvey family and the origin of Richie Rich. Um, and he was telling me his side of the story. Um, my personal opinion about the origins of Richie Rich is that it's not just one person who just said, I have a great idea. I'm going to come up with a rich kid, Richie Rich. You know, well, it's funny. But, I think another example. Of that. Yeah, it, it's it's more like everybody had their little bit they put in, you know, so it's like Bugs Bunny, you know, it's like there's not one person. I created Bugs Bunny, you know, so. Yeah. Um, or Mr. So, but 
I don't know if it is like Bugs Bunny in this way, but you know, the people that say that they created Richie Rich resent the other people who said they created Richie Rich, even if I think it's a group effort. You know, they don't like to share the credit. So, you know, I don't know if the Looney Tunes people were that way, or, uh, but uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of characters like that. Yeah. Do you know Charlie Sorensen's? I'm sorry to interrupt you right now. That's okay. Do you know Charlie Sorensen's um, book? Which one's that one? I probably the, do. The cartoon Charlie, the Thorson was a Canadian artist. He designed the early Bugs Bunny. Hold on. I okay. just pulled I don't know if I have it. It's, I might have seen it before, though. I don't have every book. This one right here. Uh, oh, I've seen that before, but I do not have it. Okay. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of really a lot of weird stories in it. One of them was like, apparently, I don't buy this story. I actually don't believe this story. It seems really far fetched. I invented designed, Bugs Bunny. Thorson designed Droopy while he was at Disney doing tortoise in the hair and he let avery use the design later at mgm when by the way he had left mgm by the time avery got there hmm. it's a really far-fetched Fake. idea no I don't. <laughs> it's like that website that we have on facebook you know the, the fake art you find from ebay and stuff like yeah. that yeah i'm i'm in love oh, with how do you pronounce that guy's name do you know his name uh I have no idea how to pronounce it. Is it Toe Frug or something? Is there two Frug? I I've been pronouncing it my name Toe Frog, but okay, you don't know either. Okay, because I always want to say this. I never met the guy except for casually exchanging Andy Warhol faces. I mean, I'm going to say it now, so if you pass it along, you can tell him this. So you know, there used to be a dance called the Frug. I don't know how to dance that way, but it, it, I always think to frug or not to frug, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know, but you know, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's probably his toe or something or anyway, but anyway. Yeah. Now uh, last part of this podcast and we're done. Okay. We're going to talk about the books you're going to write. You're going to have published. I'm not writing any more books. <laughs> no, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean like the books now I'm, I'm, now, I'm asking, I'm also opening this up because I've forgotten some of them besides... Are you talking about the about ones the that I've... We talked about the origin of the Pac-Man one last time. Are you talking about the ones I've written that aren't published yet? Yes. Two? Okay. We, talked, we uh, talked about the origin of Pac-Man last time, so we're not okay. going to go into that. Okay, so the Pac-Man book comes out next. If we talked about that last time, then that one comes yeah, out yeah, next. Yeah, yeah, talked, we talked about that extensively last time. Okay. Uh, the next one is the stars of Walt Disney Productions. That one is at the level that it's been edited but i haven't got a final proof back like the 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 pac-man books past that it's it's the next step for it is i should be getting a copy in my hot little hands so that's where that I one know is. a lot of books are on but on delay like i think but, Steve but the 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 book. disney one is edited but yeah i haven't got a proof back so until i get a proof yeah it's kind of in I limbo I know a uh, lot of books are in limbo at Bear Manor, right? Because Steve Cox's Flintstones book is still in limbo, and it's been yeah. in limbo since the pandemic. Um, yeah, and the, well, that you know, the Total Television Scrapbook, that one was on hold for a long period, so that one finally did come out. I yeah. think what they're doing, because I know uh, Bear Manor well, they don't want to put all my books out at once, and I even told them that I don't want to put them all at once. So you know, if it takes till the end of the year or even the beginning of the next year for the pac-man book to come out well then so be it you know i'm not trying to sit there and say it's the 40th anniversary it better come out this year it's like eh, whatever um <laughs> just as long as they come out and they're supposed to come out so those two are definitely going to come out the warren kramer book is done except 
the family needs to do their final sign off and i fear that they're rewriting it which is going to delay it but we'll see what they're going to do now, but they they've taken forever to do that one what now we're going to have a mad book because i want to the, the mad book um you got no you well, guys, I, I, the you two I, wrote a book on mad we got to start because this one i'm actually interested in buying okay well the two books i'm working on right now are the mad book and the turtles book i'm not starting any other books okay, uh, let's the turtles until book these are done okay let's so the turtles book first so we can save best uh, for life. okay so the turtles book uh the only thing that's holding up the turtles book is we keep getting interviews and uh as long as we keep getting interviews like uh we got howard kalen who's like the lead singer uh so that was an important interview to get so now we have that one in there and then i got this uh guy that played the drums for recently and uh so that's transcribed so currently everything's transcribed but i'm still we're still getting quality interviews as charles and i are working on it and i and i i tell charles i said as long as we're getting quality interviews meaning actual band members actual producers actually you know not friends not hearsay people not you know just you know oh yeah i kind of like the turtles when i was growing up no i mean actual people that were involved i'm okay with it so he he agrees because we're getting a lot of interviews but there's some interviews early on that were kind of like can we uh stop putting these interviews with these people that barely know these guys you know it's like you know so that's the turtles book so we have a lot of photos um and once we decide that's it, that's all the interviews we're going to do, then that will be turned in. It will not be Bear, Bear Manor. We're working with a different publisher on this one because Bear Manor tends to not publish music books. So that's why. I was going to ask, um, I wanted to ask a question first. So I actually wrote an op-ed one time called, I called it the Justice for the Cameraman. Mm-hmm. It was this op-ed about, it was literally, it began with the idea of attention all podcasters. This was true fact. <laughs> Um, and it was just this pop head that basically said, you people, all of you folks, all of the people who think that they love media so much, <laughs> like people who have a Star Wars podcast, yeah. well, they don't want to have, yeah, that they love Star Wars so much that they would rather have some fan talking about Star Wars than, you know, a camera guy who's never been interviewed talk about Star Wars. Mm. Interview- and I was kind of curious, like, do you always go after, like, the, the big names first, or do you sometimes go after, like, you know, what did this camera guy do here, or what did someone do here? Oh, because you mean, I found you mean it on, my bo- on any of my books, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I have, whenever I write a book, uh, and we'll use the Mad Book, let's just go into it. Okay, so in the Mad Book, obviously there's some people I can't interview. Gaines is dead, Feldstein's dead, Kurtzman's dead, you know, I can't interview them. But there's good quality interviews that have come out in the past from Comics Journal and other publications. So I can use interviews, as long as I get proper credit, to flesh out that story. Um, so of living people, and then I've done my own interviews of some people that have passed. Like I can use anything I've done in the past with Davis or whatever, you know, uh, because I've already interviewed him. But um, so when I um, set out to do a book like the Mad Book, first of all, I didn't want to do it because I thought it would be too big of a project. And it has been, but it's been fun. But um, is it going to be an art book too? A lot of um, art? No, Uh, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be more like the crack book. There'll be some images, but it's a lot more text. And oh, it might, it might that's, be too. That's what got you a bad review from that one guy. Yeah, yeah well, it's not going to have an index in the back because Doug Guilford 
has taken care of that online, so I don't need to do one. Uh, and I interviewed Doug Bailford too for the podcast. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, whenever I start a book, uh, I always kind of in my mind or I jot them down. You know, there's always people I know I can get right away uh, because I just know them already. Like Tom Richmond, I interviewed before when I did the crack book. I knew I could interview him again. Mm-hmm. But there's always like a few like, and there's a, other low hanging fruit that I figure I can get, you know, uh, you know, no offense, Kit, but I got Kit Lively because, hey, you know, I just know him on Facebook. Hey, you wrote for man, you know, do you want to, you know, be interviewed? I got Peter Bag, you know, because I've interviewed him before. So those are like the low hanging fruit people I've interviewed before and stuff like that. Um, the the wish list, then I put out the wish list for myself and I said, oh, who would I want if I could get anybody? Dick DeBartolo was on the wish list um bill morrison even though he's a friend it was a wish list just to see if he would talk about why he got canned and he did so jaffe? what was jaffe on the list list jaffe was not on the list and the reason why is because he has been interviewed before and he's getting pretty elderly so i could try he, he, he's like if i can get it i'll do it but i'm not gonna push it i mean i don't try to push a 101 year old man to talk yeah so, yeah i get it you know um and i interviewed him before so i can use clip clips from that i know people um, i know people who do interview people at 101 they really push people and i don't yeah really i don't like doing that unless unless they're willing to do it so um so my dream now of all the people i've gotten or not gotten of mad people uh like i said i'd love to get Fakara. um I should probably push a little harder to get Sam Viviano. I've interviewed him before. If I don't, it's no big deal. Um, I've tried to get Charles Cadu. He had a surgery on his tongue, so he's all a little self-conscious. That, And I said, it doesn't have to be a podcast interview. I can do it email or some other way. Just haven't committed to it. But I'd like to talk to him because he was an editor too, like a you know, co-editor, you know, uh, Charles, uh, Joe Raiola, or how you pronounce his name. He was an editor for a long time too. Uh, I've recently tried to approach him. Haven't got any response yet, but that doesn't mean anything, you know, cause some people, they just respond out of the blue, like six months later. Oh yeah, I'll do it. You know, <laughs> so, yep. um, haven't it, haven't really approached like artists and stuff because a lot of them i interviewed for the crack book so i don't know if i need to interview them again and i asked them mad questions then not because i thought i would do a mad book but because like sergio he never worked for crack but i interviewed him anyway and so i asked him a bunch of uh crack questions and i asked him a bunch of mad questions because i had him on the phone anyway so i don't know if i need to interview him again um but you might want to because you're a fan. Yeah, I might want to, but he's not like, you know, so, you know, the, so far the Joe Rayola was, I mean, not Joe Rayola. Well, he is one, but uh, John Fricar is one. Dick DeBartolo is one, but I already got him. Um, Annie Gaines, maybe, you know, it's like, there. It's it's, you know, some people it's like, you know, I don't know how important you know what they would have to say and i shouldn't be that way uh and you know i've talked to some people that you know i won't name names but they're kind of like they take one side and they don't want to be interviewed because somebody else is being interviewed and you know i respect that so you know it's like 
you know, it, it happens sometimes. It's frustrating in a book where you want all sides of a story and one person won't tell their side of the story because somebody happened in the Harvey book. It happened in uh, the Patty Freeling book, you know, where, you know, you don't get one interview because you have another interview, you know. Anyway, but Did you not happens. get an interview with David DePatty and your well the patty was an old crank at the time i could say it now that he's passed on but you know he was and he says i just interviewed with uh jerry beck and with uh uh charles brubaker so you can use their interviews and it's like i wasn't going to ask because i already had access to their interviews i wasn't going to ask what they asked their interviews was well before yours were yeah that i i I wasn't going to ask what they asked but he didn't want to interview with me because he had just interviewed with, according to him, he had just interviewed with Jerry Beck and Charles Brubaker. Was that for their book that was like, you know, published in like 2006? No, they weren't published anywhere. I don't think. Yeah, I think Jerry just interviewed him just because he likes to interview people. And Charles, I think he did it just for his own personal use, but he let me borrow it. No, neither of them, I don't think, were published anywhere else until my Bruba- book. Brubaker's, Brubaker had an interview with him when they used to have that DePatty Freeling site. Yeah, well, he used, yeah, he used some of it on that site, but he gave me the full interview. So I had everything. Yeah. I had access to the complete interview. So at least that happened. But I thought DePatty was a little bit of a butt, you know, at the time. But talking to like Art Leonardi and stuff like that, you know, he says, yeah, DePatty can be that way. I'm his friend, you know. And uh, so I go, wow, okay, all right. Uh, talked to me one time. I was like, I was like, I'd love to talk to Leonardi. And I just get a call from him while I was like outside of Raisin Cane's parking lot, which Raisin Cane's that originates from Baton Rouge, right? So it's like a chicken chain if you've not heard of it. But I have not. Okay. But it's like it's a it's a chain around the U.S. mainly in the 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 East Coast, the Southern East Coast. Um, but so what's it called again? Raisin Cane's. Yeah, I don't know that one. I was in the South in the '90s, but I guess it's more recent. Oh, it's much more recent than that. Okay, yeah. See, I remember, you know, my first exposure to Shoney's, uh, Krispy Kreme, uh, what else is in the South? The Waffle House, uh, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, anyway, go well, ahead. Half of those chains are now nation, now worldwide. Since yeah, so. Cracker Barrel. Well, at the time when I went down there in the 90s, that was my first exposure to any of them. So, yeah. anyway. <laughs> now, so, I got a call Leonardi calls me because mm-hmm. I talked to his daughter Lisa mm-hmm. and I just said you know I was just just happened to talk ask her about something else and I said I'd love to talk to your dad get a call from he's like okay by the way what's your phone number and I didn't connect the two and she just and they called me the next day that that like that afternoon oh <laughs> so so did yeah you try- I talked to him for about an hour and I'm like outside this parking lot foods in the car the car smells like chicken. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like still eating. Uh. Well. Anyway, so uh, I don't know if I said all everything about the Mad Book, but it's kind of slow going because every time I start, I'm going to try to start working on it again, but I've been working on the Turtles book recently. And it's like every time I think I can work on the Mad Book again, something else comes up that I have to work on. So it's like, you know, <laughs> obviously tonight, since I'm doing a podcast, not working on the Mad Book, but I had we Sorry. not done this, I might have worked on it because... You know, uh, but mainly what I'm doing currently in the Mad Book is I'm transcribing the old interviews. So I'm listening to old podcasts. I'm on the, I'm kind of jumping around. I'm I'm doing the David Spurlock 
uh, two-parter because he he talks at length about Wally Wood, and that's the closest I'm going to get to actually talking to Wally Wood because Wally Wood didn't do many interviews, and uh, you know this guy knows everything about him, and so you know. Now, uh, my final question for you, then we're going to go. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite book you've written? Ooh. My favorite is the Total Television book, and I know that that's that's a lot of people's favorite. I guess that one too, but it's not my favorite. The one that I got, it, it, there's certain ones for just accomplishments sake that I'm glad is done. Like the Harvey, uh, the Harvey comics companion is special because that was the one that I wanted to get done. I wasn't trying to be a book author. You know, I was just wanting to get the Harvey history out properly instead of just in my fanzine. And the fact that it took, from 1990 to 2017 to get that done <laughs> with many false starts and many possibilities of other people doing it and derailing my intentions because I'm happy that I got mine out first. So that's a special one for me. But uh, as far as what came out the best, what looks the best, probably the total television one, the new one, the scrapbook, because finally even with an error along this way you know finally got it in color and the size i wanted he finally did it the way i wanted it to look you know and it's like uh, and so that that's why you know and it you had think, the few, fewest errors you, know? <laughs> you think the total television book is like the fan favorite too because people like that one well yeah people like pictures you know yeah. it's like no, no no i'm talking about i'm talking about the actual the the, the red one Oh, the original red one. Okay. Yeah. Well, I like that one too, but you know, as far as, you know, what one looks good, I like the current one, right. the scrapbook. Um, um, I mean, I was really, pr I'm, I'm not, not proud of it. I, I was proud of it when it came out, you know, but then since I've done so many others, um, the only thing I'd redo on any of my books is I wish I could correct all the errors without paying a fee because it costs money to correct the errors. And most yeah. of the time I go, eh. um, the one I really wish I could correct and maybe I'll do it is the chipmunks one, but I'm leaving it alone because, you know, it's doing well, you know, <laughs> so I don't like changing them when they're doing well. Um, it, would I plan to update anymore well i mean i do updates i tend to just write another book because i said this before is like i don't really like to do and i know other authors do this is they'll do a revised version of the same book and so i always think that's kind of an annoying thing because if you're the author you know it's like well do you keep all five versions because you keep revamping it and then as a fan oh well i have version number three and now it's version number five you know, um, I don't want to read. I don't want to read by this book again. You know, it's like you know, but I have to because now it has more pages or it's in color or it's like you know. Um, that was my thing with Daryl Van Sitter's RFJ Word book. I love his RFJ Word book. I have it signed by June Foray and and yeah. um, and because um, my, my friend Carol, who works at the Chuck Jones Gallery, she gave me as a birthday present. She. Yeah. found a way to get june and daryl to sign the book yeah um so yeah she really had to get that made so it was a hunt for her i know mm -hmm. um but so and then she he comes out with a new version that's 10 pages long but i'm like i love that book but i'm a librarian part-time i don't have the money to pay 75 dollars for another yeah. book 
Oh, but you I mean really when, he, when he put out the paperback version and he added a few more pages? It's like ten pages. Yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of frustrated yeah. me too. But at the same time, I go, well, I my copy again because I met both of them at the same time. Is it has Daryl's and June Frey's autograph. And Carol was at that exact same. You can't replace that. I mean, um, but I have you know yeah to show you how frustrating it is. So I have three copies of mice and magic i have the original one and then i have the revised one and then i have the hardback because you know they're all different you know <laughs> and uh um i don't know I, you know it, you know I, I asked leonard malton when i met him once he's on my list and it's like would you ever update of uh, mice and magic again and he goes Probably not, because, you know, pretty much everything we wanted to say about classic cartoons is in there, and I didn't want to cover the TV cartoons and everything else. I go, fair enough. And actually, I respected him for that. If he wanted to do another book, I would just wish he would do another book about animation, you know, not revising of Mice and Magic. Um, I guess I'll name a name because you mentioned the Daryl Van Sitters one. The one that frustrates me is this guy who does the Spike Jones book, because He's done like five versions of it. And I think I have version two. My, my pal Skip Craig wrote the wrote the wrote the um discography for. Oh, okay. And I, I don't know if I which version I have. I think I have the second version or the third version. But he it's just like revised it. Yeah, I know. And it's like I want all the new stuff, but it's like you know. and then another one that frustrates me is the Rankin Bass uh book. Oh that, god. Uh, uh, I have the original that was a paperback even though there is a rare hardback version of that and then he did a revision so I did get the revision because there's like 100 extra pages and then he did another revision and it's like uh, you know it's not like it's cheap to rebuy it you know and it's like I'd rather buy a brand new book like I've, I bought other books from him just not the second revision because I said I don't want to keep buying the same book over again <laughs> you no. know in fairness to Daryl, if you buy his Mr. Magoo Christmas Carol, which I have mine, Jeremy Levito gave me her copy. Oh, I and have her mine. copy is signed by Bob Singer and all the oh, cast. Wow. And, yeah. and I'm like, like, you didn't have to give me this. And he's like, it's okay, I have another copy. And apparently she just, she gave me hers. Mm-hmm. So it says all the cast, of the, it's signed by all the cat, living cast members, the singers, the dancers, everything. all the artists it's like it's like a big wall of signatures um but now if you buy the second version in fairness the second version of magoo's christmas girl is like 104 pages so it's like i didn't even know he had a second version of that one okay yeah and it's not 100 and then no there's a third version now with him i didn't know that oh okay yeah, but no, so I have the first the version, list. and the only reason I'm happy about having the first version the way I did, yeah. Uh, you know, that guy you probably have heard of him is, is I don't know how to pronounce his name, Stuart Ng Books, NG is his last name, Ng? Stuart Ng, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought my, I bought that Three Tuners book from them, yeah, yeah, and I think I did too, but anyway, I don't know. He, sometimes he has killer deals, I don't know why. <laughs> This the stupid Magoo book was out of print and I just missed it. I did I, I would have bought it and I missed it. And it was selling already on eBay for hundreds. And I go, damn it. It's like I wanted that book. You know, and I think I, I think I actually went to Daryl when I saw him for the Jay Ward thing. And I said, Any chance you're gonna reissue this Magoo book? And he did he kind of shook his head at the time. So if you say he's revised it twice, I guess he says, Hmm, there's money to be made there or something. He just I don't know, revised but, the Jay Ward book. What? When he just revised the Jay Ward book, he just revised 
Okay, so he had to revise. This is when the J. This is when the J. Ward book first came out that I was talking to him. So. Yeah, yeah, this was before he revised <laughs> yeah. the book. Okay, so he hadn't revised it, but it was long out of print. And I said, "Do you have any extra copies? No. Uh, do you plan to revise it? No. Okay, like you know." And then one day I was just looking on surfing the internet and Stuart's uh, website came up and I said, and I, I don't know what possessed me to just look it up. And I just typed in Magoo and it was like, not only was it cheap, it was also on sale. And I said, oh my God. <laughs> and I ordered it and I got like in a week and I said, oh good, now I have it, you know? So I actually got cheaper than the original price. I don't remember how much. Yeah. But- Mine was that was that I just still didn't have his book and and I just and I asked Daryl and I said, "Do you, are you going to revise the book?" My same conversation. Yeah. He said no. no. By the way, by the way, a week <laughs> about a week after I got my copy from Judy, he revised his book. Yeah. So. so but oh well, my copy signed with the whole cast. So. Yeah. Well, you can't replace the signatures, so that's the thing. Yeah, but so but <laughs> but unlike and but unlike. A week in the mail, Judy says, what's your address? I'm like, uh, it's... Here's here's one for you, like the June Foray book, you know, the one with Earl Chris and Mark Evans. Yeah, June signed that for me, She signed mine, you know, but uh, it wasn't in hardback then, and I prefer it to be in hardback, and I was like, I would have bought it in hardback, but it wasn't available then, so I can't buy it now because it's she's gone, you know? Right, but Uh now... But now I finished my story. So I says, what's your address? I'm like, well, it's whatever my old address was. Hmm. And and she says, okay, a, month, a week later, I got this copy of this book with like the whole couple copy of the book, which I didn't even know she know she knew I didn't have, right? Mm-hmm. I never even mentioned it to her, right? Hmm. But and she just casually, um, what I did mention to her was I asked if she had that that UPA book that jerry beck and amanda many published when they had cartoon research cartoon brew books hmm. right you know that one that that 50 page upa book oh yeah i don't even have that one i wish i did i have the other upa book because that's uh, yeah it's not it's like it's like um say what you want about a bit but his cartoon modern book is really good I don't yeah. have that book either, but I, I there's reasons why I didn't buy that, but that's not because yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But um, but anyway, so and I get this book and I think it's Roberta's copy, and I feel really bad, but <laughs> I don't know if I want to give it back. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well. Oh, now we're done. We're done. All right. Sign off. This might be two yeah. episodes here. Okay. So <laughs> I guess we could be the last one I interview Mark, gentlemen. So this will next time it'll be someone better than me if I bring somebody. <laughs> bring someone, please. <laughs> All right. Well, sign us off here. See ya. That's it. <laughs> what an unprofessional ending. <laughs> All right. That was another Fun Ideas podcast interviewing me. All right. And I want to thank you, uh, Camden Spees, for interviewing me. All right. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Camden Spees, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 168 will be coming soon.
If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.